my recommendation always invest in training that money well spent that is you know whatever you invest your brain that's the best investment investment you can do Welcome to Simply Trade, brought to you by Global Training Center. My name is Lalo, and together with my co-host, Andy, we have well over 60 years of combined trade, logistics, and supply chain experience. Along the way, we have seen and witnessed different challenges in trade compliance. We decided to put the show together and call on our friends and colleagues in the business to hang out with us and share their knowledge in all things trade. Thank you for spending some time with us. Enjoy the show. Andy, we're back um, with the second uh, half of our 10 tips with uh, Adrian. Um, as you remember, we ran out of time in the last show, but um, which is okay. I mean, it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, these tips are really helpful. Some people might think, why do we want to go into fundamentals? Sometimes it's because you forget about the fundamentals. And sometimes fundamentals mm-hmm. are actually quite detailed. I mean, he talked about other government agencies. Who the heck sometimes even worries about that? I mean, that's... Uh, right. You know, so well, and and with this, some of the things that I'm hoping, especially for folks in the upper management ranks, right? As we're talking about some of this, um, folks. You can you know accelerate the uh, listening to this, put it at one and a half time the speed, or or something like that as you're listening to. But here's something that's important: these tips are something you need to be aware of. But you need to ask your staff, challenge your staff, and what we're going to get into the next six through ten steps that Adrian Gonzalez. Uh, makes reference for us uh, is is a good discussion but hopefully it'll give you something where you need to kind of kick the tires on your own uh, situation there with your company and say how good are you uh, is the information that you're providing uh how is your archive what is your valuation what are the things that your staff is doing this will hopefully empower you to uh uh, with the questions you need to ask of your staff and let them come back to you. If they give you something that they can't explain in simple terms, you know, they need to, you need to keep asking the questions and say, break it down and, and simplify it for me. There's nothing wrong with that. So I think this is uh, going to be a good discussion for 6 through 10 as we continue the uh, discussion with Adrian. Sixth recommendation. Uh- uh, the correct determination of tariff preferences under USMCA or any other free trade agreement. What is the most common misconception that I hear sometimes? Well, I made it in Mexico. This is definitely USMCA good. So please just put, put it there again. I don't want to pay. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not that easy. Depends on the good, right? I mean, you, you yeah. get an avocado out of a tree and the tree is a Michoacan. Well, that's not difficult. But once you're talking about a manufactured good with components from Asia and this and that, well, I mean, you need to do a correct analysis. It usually starts with a bill of materials that has complete correct information, tariff classification, cost. And then you look at your USMCA rule of origin. You look at it. You see if you comply with it. And finally, if everything checks out, you can issue a certification that proves or at least gives you the importer the possibility to declare tariff preferential treatment. And then CBP can audit any and all of those documents. So very important in my opinion. USMCA, uh, U.S., Canada, Mexico uh, trade agreement there, is something that it's some have called it NAFTA 2.0. Uh, the, as I recall now, help me out here, Adrian, my memory's as long as a turtle's tail and just as fast. So I'm gonna have to look at notes <laughs> to figure out if I got anything going here. But as I recall, 
uh, in NAFTA, the requirement was uh, 60% of the raw materials or of the goods needed to originate in a NAFTA country, U.S., Canada, or Mexico. Uh, And now with the USMCA or NAFTA 2.0, however you want to call it, it, did it not go up to 75%? In certain automotive goods, it did, Andy. So it depends on the goods. Uh, we're talking depending on the uh, uh, value, regional value content method, which can be net cost or transaction value, can be either 50, 60%. It sometimes it's even less, you know. But automotive, which is what I'm, I'm sure referring mm-hmm. to, yes, it's going up to 75% because that was the, the, the whole purpose of the renegotiation to make sure that more North American content goes into automobiles. So definitely that's that's a big part of it. Um, but those big uh, manufacturer, uh, auto manufacturers, they, they're surrounded by lawyers. So I'm sure they get all of that. Uh, we need well, to worry with us, you know, smaller companies to make sure they do the right analysis. Yeah. Well, and there's also a scenario here where uh, you didn't have to really track it as much in the past, but now you do with the new USMCA, and that is the uh, labor costs if you're in the automotive sector yes. is what are your labor costs involved in that, e- even to the point of the hourly wage that you're paying. doesn't mean you have to declare it, but you have to provide proof of that uh, if uh, an inquiry comes through in an audit. So you have to be aware of that, right? Yes, automotive definitely did. Uh, they have a, a, a different levels of, of validations or of, of levels of, of item, uh, aspects that needed to be complied with. Uh, one was the original value content, labor value content, steel and aluminum content as well. And then yes. they have the core parts, the super core parts. So yes, that it, it got it got it got very 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 complex. And now when we start doing electrical vehicles, then we need to worry about the batteries and all of that. But I guess that that's for, for another for another podcast, right? I, I think okay. we have a lot to talk about that. <laughs> so right, uh, my seventh, seventh recommendation is understand the possible impact of trade remedies. And I'm sure, Andy, you've heard plenty of these, right? It has been in the news for a while now. Definitely importers need to be aware if they are subject to a trade remedy. The most important or most common, in my opinion, Section 301, the China, ah, also referred okay. to the China duties. Section okay. 201, the escape clause, currently being applied on washing machines and solar panels. Then we have Section 232, the, the impacted aluminum and steel. Initially impacted Mexico and Canada, not anymore. Mexico and Canada are exempt. But again, we, through all of this, we need to go back to the correct determination of the country of origin to make sure that we don't fall on these. And finally, the most common and the classical anti-dumping countervailing duties, right? So to me, those four are the main ones that we need to be aware of. And companies, U.S. importers, need to understand if they are they fall under any trade remedy. And if they do, they need to pay, right? And as you mentioned, there are legal ways to escape that uh, payment, right? If the country of origin actually changes from a country subject to a trade remedy to one that does not, then you're legally evade and not paying a trade remedy but if not then you need to pay it regardless of the country of export you know trade remedies are paid based on country of origin the country of export so and just by taking it to mexico repackaging that's not enough right right so that that, that changed so i think that and it's also a very important important part of what we do in trade to make sure that we're in compliance with any payment of trade remedies mm-hmm. sounds good uh, I'm, I'm right there with you so what's your next point 
uh, to correctly determine payment duties, tax, and, and other charges. And that goes kind of hand in hand with everything that we've been discussing, right? Everything that we have discussing comes to uh, the completion of good statistical information and the correct payment of duties, taxes, and other charges to U.S. Customs. We need to make sure as you is important that we're paying the right amount. And if we're paying zero legally, even better, in my opinion, right? But we need to do it the right way. That, that was that would be my eighth recommendation. Uh, one, to that point, again, I want to come back to and, and address a comment to uh, executive management of uh, or upper management of a company. This is one of those areas where what we just basically said was if you're the importer of record, your part of your responsibility is to make sure that you have paid the appropriate appropriate duties and taxes, and you have paid uh, the appropriate fees to your broker and uh, any uh, in, you know, transportation companies and th things of that nature. Here is an interesting action that you could take, uh, and this could go for service providers out there, brokers and, and logistics companies to, you know, you know, importers of different products and all that. You guys import yourselves, uh, you know, products for yourselves and all that, uh, all those kinds of things. Take and reach out to your accounting department, get a purchase order uh, that uh, has a uh, international uh, uh, product that's sourced internationally. And start asking questions. Show me entries that this purchase order uh, went against this purchase order. Show me the payment for duties and taxes for this. How much is left on this? When did this purchase order uh, fill up? And, you know, backfill that. And show me a customer order with it. Good. There's a customer order. Now show me the entry that that customer order was fulfilled with. And those kinds of things. I guarantee you, as an executive, you start asking questions along that line. You're going to have people jumping through hoops trying to figure out, like, what's going on? Here's the point. They will make sure that the archive process of their records, and I'm sure you're, that's one of the things you're going for here, Adrian. You read my mind, Andy. Yeah, not to steal your thunder, but, I mean, the archive is valid that not only do people file things away, but that you can get those files back out, that the T's are crossed, the I's are dotted, the information's there. And if they come back and say, well, we just can't find uh, the entry for that, or how do you know all the entries that are involved in this? And it was like, well, we don't know. Right there, you've got a red flag. You better start asking questions and pulling in your compliance and your logistics folks together and say, I want you to fix this. Let's get through this. And, and, you know, if we import it, we better be able to prove what we did with it. Exactly. I agree. And and definitely, you know, uh, the main, uh, also paying the correct amount of fees, right? We also have merchandise processing fees. We have harbor maintenance fees. Some products even pay taxes, right? We mentioned how usually goods imported to the U.S. does not mm -hmm. pay taxes, but some do. Alcohol, tobacco, and other goods as well. We spoke about trade remedies as well. That can be another. And all of these go on top of each other, right? People have asked me, well, if I, if I pay Section 31, then that, that's all I pay, right? 25%? No, you pay that plus the regular duties, plus anti-dumping if applicable, plus 201, plus whatever else is out there. So there very important. And, and the yeah, you read my mind because my ninth recommendation is to understand post-importation compliance aspects and starting first and foremost, of course, with record keeping, right? Anytime we are doing an importation of goods into the U.S., people uh, and any agent and any party doing cost and importation needs to keep records. Importers, 
brokers need to keep records, carriers need to keep records, because usually, as we have seen, customs will not require physical documents. Most of what we transmit is electronic, but that doesn't mean the customs may not ask us, it may not audit us, it may not want to see actual physical documents. So records are very important. And to the extent that you mentioned, Andy, all the way back to the supplier, to your purchase orders, everything all the way back, not just your invoice that you use for the import. I mean, that's easy, right? You need to go all the way back. And that's, I think, a company-wide focus on record keeping, you have all your records, because um, customs, you know, if, if they uh, want to, they can they can they can ask you for a lot of information, and companies need need to keep uh, records and keep, and be ready. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and and to your point, people can do you know archiving in there. So yeah, 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 we've got it. All right. So let me throw a challenge. How about any of you folks? Um, where are your records from three years ago for your IRS uh, income tax uh, uh, return? And you know, so let's say you're audited. Can you pull up your records from? just three years ago, let alone five. Uh, so the same thing within your own company. You know, if you pull it up from six months ago, okay, not too much of a big feat, but what about three years ago, about four years ago, five years ago? Um, and you want to know some information on it, and you're going to get the deer in the headlight looks, well, okay, then tighten up. So as an executive, you need to challenge the team, and then if they can't um, – come back and, and provide what you're looking for, then you need to go back to the fundamentals. This isn't rocket scientists. Make sure that what's filed away can not only be, you know, filed accurately, but then it can be retrieved. So food for thought. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, I definitely agree. And another aspect that I will, and, and of course, post-deportation compliance is very broad. Everything that we're speaking is very broad, but I think another important aspect is to understand the process of liquidation, right? We understand that when we present information to customs, it's considered preliminary. Customs takes it, but they have not yet show an agreement on that that happens on the process of liquidation, usually within one year. And if customs disagrees, they may send you a bill, right? They say, well, no, you made a mistake. Right. And as an importer as well, before liquidation, usually there's an easier pathway to correcting or updating entry information. Right. So that's also something that importers need to take into account. Right. If you made a mistake, correct it. Do it before liquidation, preferably, because if not, then you need to get into prior disclosures and protests and so on and so forth. But also understand the process of liquidation, which is when customs uh, does the final calculation and determination of taxes, which usually happens within a year. It doesn't mean that they may not audit you afterwards. It doesn't mean some people say, well, liquidation, I'm done. No, no, you're not done. But it just means that's process, right? They can still audit you. But you need to be very well aware of the process of liquidation, especially if CBP finds that they make a change. They made a change on your entry and they sent you a bill, especially. Uh, again, when you get to the point of liquidation, it's like you should have everything in order. And then liquidation basically validates what you've got and you should – you know, take a sigh of relief off of it. It's done over with, off it goes. You can come back uh, and keep, you know, focusing on your other things. So that's a good thing. Definitely. And my final recommendation, 10, 10th recommendation. Uh, and these are uh, uh, several recommendations, final recommendations. My first one would be take it seriously. Take the process of importing into the United States, take it seriously. 
Second, uh, place a senior manager in charge of trade. Please, many times I see, uh, especially companies that are starting to import, they assign their most junior uh, person in the office. I, I don't have nothing against that. Right? I, we all started from there, but please don't don't put your, your most junior person in charge of trade, especially if you're new in importing. Put somebody that you can make responsible and they can learn. And once you get it going, then of course you'll have people doing your stuff. I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to do everything, but please do that, right? Have appropriate processes, very important, right? Put your process in place. Have a company-wide focus on compliance, right? I think that's important. Don't leave it only, well, my trade guy, that's, a, that's, that's who needs to worry about all of this stuff. No, 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 all the company needs to worry about that because this is a company-wide effort, right? Uh, invest in knowledge and training in your employees, right? Such as this podcast, I think this is a great investment in training you and knowledge. I think that's very important. And also make it easier for your suppliers, for us customs brokers, for your freight forwarders, for all the companies involved, make it as easy as you can. Don't send curveballs to your customs brokers and forwarders every single time, right? Or if you ask a question, that's great, but don't ask it every single shipment, please, right? I see some companies say, well, uh, I want to do the import of this merchandise. I say, well, please send us the documents. And they ask me, which documents? Oh, I'm like, yeah. well, this this is the tenth, this is the tenth time you've done it, right? So please, please send it over. So, uh, and that those are my final recommendations for my tenth recommendation, Andy. Well, and to your point, I, I will say that we've talked about quite a few uh, things. Uh, a lot of them, you know, all of these are somewhat foundational. But the one thing that uh, does come into play, if some of this is foreign to somebody, there, in other words, it's a little hard to grasp. You, you're not understanding all of that. <clears throat> I'm going to put in a plug for Lalo here for a second and his company because uh, Global Training Center, there's a lot of things that he offers online, which is excellent. But you need to get training. Adrian just talked about that. Get yourself trained. Get your staff trained. Do some recurrency training. Uh, understand how to uh, fill out the paperwork, the bill of lading, the commercial invoice, uh, and any shipper letter of instruction and all that. But let's just talk about the air bill and the commercial invoice for a minute. It is absolutely essential in global trade today that the air bill <clears throat> for air or bill of lading for ocean and rail and, and, and uh, truck, um, the bill of lading is synchronized with the commercial invoice. Well, what do I mean by that? You need to find out what are the specific data elements that are absolutely essential to make sure that the bill of lading reflects accurately what is on the commercial invoice and vice versa. And everything from, believe it or not, values, weights, uh, parties to the transaction, things of that nature. And it, you, you know, some of this may be a little bit of a challenge or you need a recurrency on that. Go look at the Global Training Center and their website or other training companies are out there. But I'm telling you, Global Training Center is excellent, and it is a very cost-effective way of getting yourself up to speed and, uh, and your staff. I definitely agree with that. I think before we can count on, on, on trade being the same uh, for a, 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 long, a while, right? Not anymore. I mean, things are changing every week, every month. Uh, uh, no company can afford to not train their employees because things are, I mean, even us that, I mean, that we're passionate about is we struggle with the changes, right? Everything, more sanctions, now this, now the other, and we struggle keeping up. Uh, uh, my recommendation, always invest in training. That's money well spent. That is, you know, whatever you invest in your brain, that's the best invest investment you can do.
That is. And that's all, guys. I mean, okay. I, we took a well. We took a while, but yeah, don't uh, worry, Adrian. Don't worry. <laughs> yes, thank you, Adrian. But um, as a final um, closing, we always like to ask our 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 guests to give us one tip, one good trade compliance tip in a minute or less. Like, what would be your best tip? You know, a a, a, a best practice, a hack. You know, something that that would help somebody in importing or exporting it doesn't have to be related to what you just said but i mean what what would be your best tip that that you would say this is a good trade compliance tip to me the 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 foundation in in on compliance and i've seen a lot of people saying well adrian i know I'm, I'm doing the things the right way because i know my company and i was there in the production line and i see that you know and i see that and i always tell them well and, and that and this one has been out there in a few movies i'm a movie buff Uh, but with customs, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. That would be my recommendations. In terms of compliance, it's not what you know, it will, it's what you can prove. So don't uh, settle for just knowing that you're doing things right or that you know your product qualifies or that you know that your HCS is correct. No, focus on proving that you have a good compliance process, that your product actually uh, complies with the rule of origin of USMCA, that you have proof that you did your classification process, not just that you have the number, but you have the process, right? So that that would be my recommendation, Lalo. Yeah. That's a good tip, actually. That's no, no is good, but proof is better. So no, that's great, Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> We haven't heard that before. Definitely. definitely. No, that, well, that's I took it out of a movie. I, I won't take the credit because I actually <laughs> I saw it in Training Day and I love the movie. So, <laughs> but I was, you know, I think I think this fits into compliance. You know, it, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. You know, it was, well, it was and you know, as you go down the line here, you, what you think is it's not what you know, but it's who you know. It's like, well, no, it's not what you know, <laughs> it's what you can prove. Oh wow, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, so, I like that. I like that. Excellent. Awesome. Well, thanks Andrew, a lot. Thanks for the invitation. I had a lot of fun. Andy, Andy, Lalo, Sofia, thanks, thanks a lot for the, for the invitation. Thank you very much for joining us. Simply Trade is brought to you by the generous contributions of Global Training Center. You can follow the show and GTC on LinkedIn or Twitter and other social networks. Make sure you check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. Also, make sure you share this with a friend and subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. We really like hearing from you. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest in the show or would like to sponsor Simply Trade or suggest any topic you would like for us to discuss, please contact us via email at simplytrade at globaltrainingcenter.com or you can DM us on Twitter at simplytradepod. Thank you again for the privilege of your time. Happy trading. Simply Trade is not a law firm or an advisor. The topics and discussions conducted by Simply Trade hosts and guests should not be considered and is not intended to substitute legal advice. You should seek appropriate counsel for your own situations. These conversations and information are directed towards listeners in the United States for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be substituted for legal advice. No listener or viewer of this podcast should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information on this podcast without first seeking legal advice from counsel. Information on this podcast may not be up to date depending on the time of publishing and the time of viewership. The content of this posting is provided as is. No representations are made that the content is error-free. The views expressed in or through this podcast are those of the individual speakers, not those of their respective employers or Global Training Center as a whole. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast are hereby expressly disclaimed.